Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. Simon Clancy is not here, but guess who's back from the Atlantic Ocean? Chris Kaufman. How was Disney? How was that Disney cruise, Chris? It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Really? I told Simon that, you know, you'd better watch out, like, if we get in any competitions or anything, because I've been dodging, like, 4,000 eight-year-olds on a, in a condensed space. Yes. And they, they just go any which way. So, and they're totally unpredictable. So, right now, I bet I could, I bet I could put on a pretty good pass rush, um, at least enough to qualify to be on the Dolphins. So, now is, uh, now is the right time for you to do, like, a shuttle drill. Yeah. Yeah, basically, right now. Just do it right now. Okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. We'll organize it. Yeah, we should do that. We we definitely should do that. We're all going to be together in, in Las Vegas. So, And it is the Can draft we do that? week. So maybe we could do it out there, like in 115-degree heat. <laughs> you know? So that way we, we could give, like, some of our, you know, some of our haters could get the satisfaction of watching one of us die on the, <laughs> on the Vegas Strip. <laughs> I bet know? I bet some of our listeners would get satisfaction from that actually, judging by just judging by the Twitter comments. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of Twitter, Twitter's kind of like a, a foul today. Because a foul? yes, a foul. Like the because, bird? Yes, I would say so. Okay. I think that's a I think that was a excellent choice Accurate. of words. Yes. Accurate. That works. Devontae Parker. That's a, a double entendre. Out of a Pro Bowl berth. But what else is mm-hmm. new? Of course, Larry Mutunsel gets in, and he did not have – well, he's not having as good a season as he had last year, although he's been very good. And, of course, Minka Fitzpatrick, also a pro bowler this year. He's going to be an all-pro this year, isn't he? I think so. Uh, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. It's possible. Uh, you know, yeah. Once they put you, once they put you on, the, on the promos for Thursday Night <laughs> Football and Monday Night Football, yeah, you could be an all-pro. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those are former Dolphins. Uh, by the way, R- Ryan Tannehill, first alternate at quarterback. Man, I think he got that's jobbed, a, okay? You that's can a have a team. 120 quarterback rating and not be one of the Pro Bowl quarterbacks, right? Like, that's not did possible. He ever, did he ever get in with us? No. The like, closest it, he ever got, he was, uh, I think, a third alternate one time. That's it. Uh, okay. But he never got in with us. That's crazy. Some believe that he got jobbed the year. Remember the year that he had the 27 touchdowns and the 12 picks? Uh, was, was that really 2016? Hot. Yeah, I think it was. Was that uh, Gaze's first year? 
Nah, Gase's first year, he was like 19 and 10. I think it was, oh, a, okay. it was one of the Philbin years where he, he threw for like 4,400 yards, I believe. That year, you can argue he got jawed because there was, uh, there was I think Flacco got in and Flacco wasn't very good that year. Mm. So, but the lasting memory of that season, if I remember correctly, was Tannehill throwing up on himself in Buffalo with two games to go, needing one to win, win needing needing to win one game to get into the playoffs, and mm-hmm. they lose to Buffalo where they were favored, and they lose to the Jets at home where they were favored. Oh yeah, I remember that. Okay, so yeah, that was that 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 Ryan Tannehill year. That was the year where he he outplayed Roethlisberger in the snow. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I do remember that. Okay, that was that year where he he probably deserved a Pro Bowl berth, but. You know the last, you know the, the last memory people got in their heads was, you know, him throwing up on himself. <laughs> but Devontae Parker, snubbed or not, Chris? Uh, no, personally, I don't think so. But um, I think that we were going through the, the the list of guys earlier, and there's enough that I'm comfortable with him not making it. Um, but to be fair they're all loaded in the NFC. And yes. so the AFC was kind of an open question. Um, I just am not sure that I would put him in there because it, I mean, you're going off the, basically the second, it was only after it was pretty much only after Preston Williams got hurt that he started to really go off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, basically half of his year um, that he really started to, to up the ante uh the first half of his season was nothing to speak of um although he had a couple touchdowns but you know he's the second half of his year is when he's got the five touchdowns and um i don't know how many exactly yards but it's got to be it's got to be like 600 of his yards or something like that um yeah i know i know the last six weeks they put the stat up during the, the game against the giants they had the stat up and yeah he was like the most productive wide receiver in the last six weeks. I think he was in the top three. Yeah, most, yeah. I mean, I, and most I believe productive it. wide receivers in all of the NFL. Now, now the last seven weeks, I'm sure because he had a decent game again. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's he's been. But half a year does not. I don't know. I, I'm I'd rather be strict about Pro Bowls than just like hand them out like they're chocolate coins at a fucking parade. Yeah, um, although, although the argument seems to be, and it's the popular argument on Dolphins Twitter, that uh, Jarvis Landry got in, and he's not deserving of Devontae Parker because where's the argument for Jarvis Landry over Devontae Parker? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. You know, uh, uh, Jarvis Landry plays with Odell Beckham. But what about, you know, as I was bringing up before, what about like Cortland Sutton? You know, what about um, yeah, uh, some Sutton of these other guys? Really good this year. Yeah, there's Cortland Sutton. John Brown has been really good in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and they're on a they're on a winning team. And he's in, and though we we go back and forth, and Simon and I argue all the time about Josh Allen. Um, he's not an accurate quarterback, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, and, and in so, the NFC, DJ Moore has been a really impactful wide receiver this year. Yeah, but the NFC is like loaded because you got Michael Thomas and Godwin and Godwin and Evans yeah, both on the problem. same team. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, you know, so Julio Jones is having a Julio Jones year. Um, Stephon Diggs is having a good year because uh, because Thielen went out, which 
screwed me in fantasy, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Amari Cooper's done all right. Kenny Galladay's done well. I mean, the, the NFC is loaded. I get it. But the AFC, in addition to Devontae Parker, you do have to look at, like, John Brown. Even Julian Edelman is doing all right, um, mm-hmm. is doing well. And Cortland Sutton, I think, is, is, has been really good. Um, Keenan Allen, of course. Yeah, I, I think I do think that they need a better system because, you know, and everybody says, you know, who cares? You know, well, mm-hmm. well I'll tell you who does care. Uh, general manager. The player does. Because, the player does. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, these guys get paid. Sure. For these things. There's big bonuses involved sometimes for making yep. the Pro Bowl. Definitely. And if you're a general manager, you kind of want to, you know, you want the pat in, uh, on your back for putting a Pro Bowler. You know, mm-hmm. on your roster, you know, through the draft or through free agency. Yeah, um, I, th- I the think. The Dolphins would have liked to have bunch rolled of- out Devontae Parker after giving him that extension to say, look, you know, we gave this guy an extension. Look, he's a pro bowler, you know. I think it's a bunch of crap. I, and it just, If anything, it just clouds up the evaluations and instead of making it more clear. But um, yeah, I think I think pro bowl voting should be uh, – I don't even think the players should vote for it. I think it should be the coaches. Yeah, the players don't do a very good job. No, they don't. You know, uh, Matthew Slater fans got Fans certainly in one don't. Year. Okay, Matthew, you know, forget the fans. Matthew Slater yeah. got in once after playing four games all year. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> that was insane. I'm you pretty know. sure Matthew Slater will keep getting in as after he's retired. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure. Okay, and, and forget it. You know he made it again this year, but you, yeah. know, you know why he made it, right? Because he blocked the punt like a couple of weeks ago. I didn't know he was still. No, he made it because his name is Matthew Slater, and he's the only special teams player anybody can even think of. Yes, he's like Bill Bates. Do you remember yeah. Bill Bates from back in the day for the, the Dallas Cowboys? No, not at all. Okay. You're really I'm the one guy Chris. that doesn't remember. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> Number forty of uh, Bill Bates for the Dallas Cowboys. That yeah. guy made like made the Pro Bowl like almost every year as a, as a as a special teamer, and yeah, that's all. That was all he was known for. But yeah, and Steve Tasker, of course, which there are some that want to put him in the Hall of Fame as a as a special teamer, hmm. which is all kinds of interesting considering that Zach Thomas is still not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's that's a crock of shit. Yeah, you know, here's something for you. I just, I'm, I'm just perusing a bunch of things, but right, the Dolphins have averaged over the last four games. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins have averaged four point three yards per carry. Wow, they've made it out of the podcast name. They've made it out of three yards per carry. <laughs> that is crazy for four weeks now. And of course, all it took was Kellen Balage to leave. You know. <laughs> <laughs> accurate okay. <laughs> all right because uh that guy was was headed for for well he ended the season because he's on ir right now mm-hmm. so he's had an epic season and when i mean epic i mean epically bad bad enough where <laughs> this is the type of season that ends careers okay mm-hmm. you know he's yeah. cheap enough where he's gonna get a shot at the roster next year maybe okay and yeah maybe is right absolutely of course, Kendrick just had, you know, four and, touchdowns. And here I was, I was about to tout, you know, the fact that, that Miami had leaned so heavily on two tight end personnel uh, over those last four weeks and gotten a little bit of reinvigoration out of the, uh, I invented that word, uh, out of the run game um, because of it with over four yards of carry. But 
actually in 11 personnel, they've averaged 5.6 yards a carry on 28 carries over the last four 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 games. That's pretty um, that's pretty special. That's uh, special the, special as in nobody's gonna give a crap in about two weeks when we yeah. mercifully end this disaster of a season. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Take it yeah. out back. I was seeing today a, a guy that we we all <laughs> respect and we all love, Josh Houts. Mm-hmm. He was saying that you know he can't wait he, he can't wait for the season to end, but that he admits that it's going to be sad to see it go. No, mm-hmm. not for me. I can't wait for this this godforsaken season. Yeah, to end. this season needs to end quickly. Yes, as soon as possible. Like th- this was this was uh this was punishment in, in my opinion. Yeah, it was. I, for what though? For being, for our punishment for being punished for the last twenty years. Like <laughs> yes, yeah. God. This season was torture. Okay, it, it mm-hmm. was it was really hard to watch these games. This really season. hard. Okay, really really hard. Yeah. But we moved from one Twitter outrage to the next, and you know that's what Twitter's for. Twitter's for, mm-hmm. Twitter's to get outraged. You know, if we didn't have Twitter, you know, all will be well. Our blood pressure be lower. Yeah, I would say so. But everybody just, you know, up in arms about a few things that we said in our last last podcast that was echoed Mm -hmm. by many others on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to get into who said it first or whatever. We all said it at the same time. Let's just leave it. We know who said it first. We know who said it first. Come on. (laughs) All right. But wow, the natives are restless. (laughs) is that can we call them natives well they're natives to to dolphin twitter aren't they yeah yeah okay the natives to this particular hellscape and yeah exactly and you know i don't look i'm not gonna pull up any particular twitter any particular twitter account or particular tweet but i'm just gonna paraphrase the usual tweet goes some idiot was saying that Chase Young is not a fit, and that's why they wouldn't take him. These idiots don't deserve to be on Twitter, or these idiots don't deserve a podcast, or these idiots don't deserve a voice. Your reaction? Oh, it was me that wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I think um, if anybody's trying to turn this this whole thing into a referendum on whether Chase Young can play in in Miami then they're more interested in sounding right than being right because that's not the point. And it's mm-hmm. never, it's never been the point. And I think Simon did explain it. Um, and his eloquent cockney uh, that, that it's, this isn't about whether Chase, Young, of course he can play in Miami. Of course yes. he can play in the scheme um, and be a pretty good player and do well and, maybe even and can they even shift some things around for him of course they can they could um they could shift some things around for him you know when Nick Saban got to Miami um everyone thought that Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas do not play in his scheme that that that's it's just not going to happen it's a non-starter big controversy written about over and over again and Nick Saban kept saying till he was blue in the face I'm going to run a scheme that features those guys. I'm going to run a scheme that, you know, that those guys can succeed in. And then both of those guys had pretty much the best years of their career in those, in those defenses under Nick Saban because he was true to his word and he, um, and he fashioned a scheme around them 
and all the people that were like, no, you know, Jason Taylor doesn't play three, four outside linebacker. That's not going to work. And there are all the people that Zach Thomas doesn't, you know, he can't play uh, three, four inside linebacker or whatever this four, three under this, um, multiple defenses. He can't play that. He needs Tim Bowens and, and Daryl Gardner in front of him and stuff like that. Well, instead he got, Keith Trailer in front of him, and he had a, he had one of his best, I maybe his finest year in Miami, um, one of those years. Um, so yeah, certainly possible to change the scheme around to uh, to fit Chase Young and really feature him, put the sombrero right on him, and let him be the guy. The question that I would have is, when do you do that? Because he comes in, a, he comes in as a rookie, totally unproven, unearned to have that sort of adaptation thrown his way. Um, it's different when Nick Saban walks in here. He's got two Hall of Famers sitting on his roster. He's like, okay, yeah, clearly I need to change the defense to fit them. Uh, you've got a guy that's a rookie that's not earned jack shit, and um, and he's going to come in and and over time you got to find out if he's worth changing around everything on your defense to, and changing around your whole approach and being more static than multiple um, in order to, to feature him and have him be a 15 sack guy instead of more of a 10 sack guy. Um, That, you know, that's, that's something you would have to, you would have to play out organically over time. And by the time you actually start to do that, you might be reaching toward where he's got to get that second contract. And when he's getting, when it comes time for him to get that second contract, he might be, you know, not inclined to give you a cheap home discount. He might be saying, I want to be the top paid defensive player in NFL history, which his draft standing would suggest that he would be come second contract time. Um, and, and he might be especially inclined to do that if it, if our scheme is making him look more like a 10-sack guy and he thinks he can be a 15-sack guy. So he can go to some other team and, and be that 15-sack kind of guy. So you have to take account of that and then compare him to the alternatives. And that's really what it's about. The, the draft is never a referendum on one dude. Uh, you know, yes, no on one dude. The the draft is you have a whole smattering of options and you've got to figure out which one has the best chance of changing the fate of your franchise the most. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. That's the point. And then, and so, so if you're, if you're looking at a chase young and you're saying, oh, gosh, he's, he's a bit of a finesse player where the scheme would prefer a bit more power. Yes. Um, they'd prefer a bit – the scheme might prefer guys who are able to do what they do in a condensed space um, as opposed to as opposed to a guy who needs to use his athleticism to run around people a little bit more. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's an absolutely a, uh, a factor that has to be taken account of. And personally, I look at it and I'm just like, we're Dolphins fans, man. We lived, we lived through the last two decades. Okay, we've seen this. How could you not learn the lesson? We had Jason Taylor yes. and Zach Thomas 
and Sam Madison and Pat Sertan and Tim Bowens and Daryl Trace Garden, Armstrong and, and Brock Marion and Trace Armstrong and, and Ottawa. All these all these guys that we had on this defense. Tim and Bowens. it didn't mean Jack. I already named him. It didn't mean Jack shit. <laughs> Stop repeating me. <laughs> it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. It didn't it didn't get us anything. And you the know Mark what? That you just pissed me off. Um, it, it it didn't mean anything at all. It didn't didn't get us anywhere, and it was because it was because you know Yahweh blessed Jay Fiedler with a lot of things in life, but being a great quarterback wasn't one of them. No. Um, and and I think that uh, you know people forget back then that living through that time because it wasn't even just that like okay we had this great defense. No, no, the defense was this like this voracious like always hungry monster too we were always trying to perfect the defense every off season because every off season was hole filling on the defense i remember this it was you know even though we had all these great players uh we need a new defensive coordinator because we're getting we're getting our play calling in the fourth quarter is getting too predictable we need that defensive court we need junior sale we need Junior Sayer. We need another linebacker next to Zach Thomas because he yeah. can't be the only line. We and need they got, no. They, we need they got Junior Sayer after and, they had gotten Robert Jones one year. Remember? Right, right. They got. I think he had multiple years. But and then it's like, oh, we need a ball hawk. We need a ball hawking safety. We can't have Brock Marion anymore. We got to have a ball hawk. We got to have Sammy Knight. We got to have Sammy Knight. He's a ball hawking safety. It's always this whole. We got to have Jamar Fletcher. We got to have a nickel cornerback because what what good is having two of the top corners in the league if you're putting out nickel on 52 percent of the downs and they can just pick on jerry wilson all day long peyton manning can pick on jerry wilson people forget that shit okay <laughs> and, and it was like and it was like always trying to perfect the defense every year and ultimately the reason that we had to do that every year and and face that is because we didn't have a quarterback we didn't have a real offense and so the defense needed to be perfect the yes. defense needed to be the Baltimore Ravens of 2000 or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of 2002. Historic defenses, perfect defenses in order for us to have a shot. Yes, and, and, and I remind Dolphin fans, there was a season where the Miami Dolphins had the number two defense, the number two running game, and the rushing champion. Mm-hmm. And an MVP candidate in Ricky Williams. And we didn't make the playoffs. Exactly. They won nine games yep and did not make the playoffs because of ray lucas but that's a different story um (laughs) but there it is but yeah so so i mean so think about all that think of what we lived through and then tell me that oh man just can't pass on chase young i don't you know i don't care about these quarterbacks man you just can't pass on chase Chase young i'm like really (laughs) you can't pass on chase young i'll pass on chase young uh dare me you know, I, because because if you're not throwing the dice and trying to find the next Drew Brees or Tom Brady or uh, or Peyton Manning or Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes, the next you know guy that's going to change your fate, the fate of your franchise, then what the hell are you doing? Why are you even out here? Why are you even just go home? You know, yes. because I don't get it. Yeah. So and. Uh, just to add on a little bit to that, uh, I was debating earlier with uh, a fan of the show and overall great guy and former sponsor of the show, Lloyd Helbram, mm-hmm. guy that we've known for a while. 
And he was saying that he took issue with something that I said uh, about Bill Lawrence Parker. And he thought, you know, uh, I guess he didn't have it all in front of him, but I do. Uh, he thought that Bill Arnsberger had molded his defense in the 1972 season to Bob Matheson. And that the 53 defense was born because he had this talent on the team and he changed the defense for him. That's not what happened. Okay. Bill Arnsberger was looking for that player and that position specifically. And in 1971, they had a guy playing that position, which was called James Riley. His name was James Riley, and he got injured. And Bill Arnsparger, and this is all from a, one of the best books that, and if, if you guys can get it out there, it's kind of expensive now, the, the book on Amazon, because it's out of print. But it's called, the book is called The Genius of Desperation, The Schematic Innovations That Made the Modern NFL. And they have a chapter on Bill Arnsparger. And Bill Arnsparger had spotted Bob Matheson in Cleveland playing middle linebacker. And he told Shula to pick this guy up because he had seen Bob Matheson play a couple of downs at defensive end and thought that he had a quick first step and that he could use him in his defense in the role that he wanted, you know, that he wanted James Riley to play. But now that he was injured, he needed a guy to play that role. Sure enough, uh, Shula gets him and he plugs him in. And sure enough, the, the rest is history. The 1972 defense is the best in the NFL and Bob Matheson is a hero. And they named the defense the 53 defense. But after that time, they got guys like Kim Bocamper, A.J. Dewey to play that role. You know, it's something that Bill Arnsparger always had in his mind as far as a role that had to be filled in his defense. So these things exist. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not, it's not in a vacuum that you just get, oh, I'm sorry. The guy plays, the, you know, he's a good football player. Just throw him in there. There's some of that. You know, sometimes mm – -hmm. A guy is just too good, and you can't pass him up. Chase Young could be that guy, all right? Yeah. But he's not a guy that you're targeting to, to do one specific thing. Well, I, th I think that ultimately – so he's talented, and I think there is some of that. It, it, like, he's talented. You throw him in there. You have him, you have him play in, uh, you know, Vince Beagle's role, for example, which is always um, – which is all, a, lo a lot on the edge. I mean, mostly on the edge. Let's be, be honest. By the way, let me let um, me most... plug the, let me plug this book again because I've gotten a lot of mileage out of it oh. today. All right, uh, it's out of print on Amazon. The book is by, by the way, by Lewis Riddick and Doug Farrar. So you know, oh, nice. This is not an this is not ancient history. You can get it on Google Books for nine ninety nine. So we got to contact Lewis Riddick and tell him that we're plugging his book. <laughs> yeah, but it's a great book. It's a great book. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I think if you take Vince Beagle's role, which is edge right side, mostly, um, you know, look at it and just kind of plug, plug, uh, chase young into it. Listen, he's, he's going to do well and he's going to do well enough that like he opens up opportunities for other players. Um, because he's a pretty, he's pretty good at what he does and he's probably going to get some sacks. He's probably going to do all right. Um, as a pass rusher and it's not it's not like we're not talking about like there's such a scheme mismatch here that he's going to be a bust or something like that I, I just don't I don't think that that's what anybody is really talking about but it's you can't as I was saying as I've been saying you can't do this in a in a silo you can't look at this in isolation and 
you have to look at the other availabilities and you have to decide the best way to get your franchise on the right track long term and is stuff like that factors into it schematic fit factors into it schematic fit with chase young you know being more of a finesse guy and um and and not necessarily whereas this scheme is is a little bit more power um that's gonna matter that's gonna matter you know having to do having to do your damage in a condensed space um matters a little bit more i mean bill belichick has always said you know the most useless place to be on the football field is two yards behind the quarterback so um you know you you got to consider that you've got to consider that and i think that um ultimately if you look at vince beagle and the success he's had as a guy that we just kind of got last minute yeah you know if you look at his success in that right outside linebacker role where he's played like 424 of his 538 snaps as, as right outside linebacker um which jace young could probably play easily uh do you need chase young though for that you know maybe maybe you could get someone else to to take advantage of that sort of spacing and place your resources somewhere where they might be better placed that's that's the argument that's what that's what we've got to say otherwise i i don't i mean one disagreement i'd have with simon is um he talks about him pulling back into coverage and chase young pulling back into coverage and stuff like that um I don't have a problem with Chase Young in space. He's he's athletic as hell. <laughs> yes, he is. You know, and so um, I think you know. No, he has. He, Simon's right. No, he hasn't done that at Ohio State at all. No. Um, that I've seen. Uh, but I don't mind making that projection, especially considering how minor of a role it would be. Um, I don't mind making that. That's not the issue I have with him. Actually, that's not the issue I have with him. Is that the first double team that he splits would be the first one that I've ever seen or the next double team he splits would be the first I've seen. Um, the issue I have with him is that he gets – is that it's inconsistent. The way the way he turned – for being a speed rush guy, his cornering is a bit in, inconsistent. Sometimes he turns into Tokyo Drift and gets washed way, way the hell back. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, those are more of my issues. Being able to do your damage brutally and in a condensed space – which is, I think, you know, people compare him to Nick Bosa, and Nick, Nick Bosa can absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the issues that I would have with him. Uh, and we'll see. Um, I, I think he deserves to be one of the top build players in this entire draft, which is saying a lot because there's like a 1,000 players that want to be in the NFL right now coming out of this draft. Um, but uh, you know, our, right now, I think our mind's got to be on the quarterback position. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm looking right now at, at our timeline, and Jesus Christ, like the Chase Young, oh, man. the Chase Young hype machine is is like it's out of control. It's it's off the it's off the rails. <laughs> well, it started to get off the rails. I think it was the first Wisconsin game. Yeah, that's the one when he when he had four sacks. Yeah, and he was that was when it really went off the rails. Mm. But you know, uh, you know, look at all the players. Uh, there, there's a there's a lot of good talent out there. You know, mm-hmm. I mentioned a couple of them today: Jabari Zuniga and, of course, you know, Khalid Cream. Uh, two guys that I really really like, and I'll I'll talk about later later on in the in, in the off season. 
Uh, those are two. I guys think I think the guy I mentioned him earlier, Alex Highsmith of Charlotte. Yes, I think and he plays this Friday, guys. So yeah, you got you got to tune in and watch him play. He will be on he, ESPN this Friday. He plays for the Charlotte 49ers, and he's mm-hmm. going to be playing this Friday. He is, I mean, when he played Clemson, he got a sack in, in, against Clemson. He was like the only player on that defense that could play against Clemson, and uh, and they were having a tough time with him. And the Clemson left tackle said it outright he's like this is i've never i've never faced a guy that gets off the ball like this like this is this is the fastest i've ever faced that way um and yeah then the coach said Dabo like said some things about him before the game that were like you know he wasn't just talking him up he was like no he's serious nfl um Mm-hmm. And and so I think I think he's the second best edge behind um, behind Chase Young. I think he's just got that it it factor, along with Chase Young. You look back at I was looking back at some old Daniel Hunter tape, mm-hmm. you know from LSU, and the, there's just like sort of you know you look back at some of those guys and you try and you know see see it again. There's just something there as far as the explosiveness that some of these guys have, and I I do think Chase Young has it to be fair to him. Um, but Alex Highsmith has it too. Yeah, and and the comparison game, it's very hard to play, you know, uh, because it, it's all projection, and we've already seen these guys. We've already seen Miles Garrett do what he's done. The guy was headed mm-hmm. for twenty sacks this year before he decided to to club Mason Rudolph over the head with a helmet. Yeah, he was headed for twenty sacks. Okay, and I feel pretty comfortable in saying that he was going to get there because I think he had twelve with eight games to go or or seven yeah. games to go. So pretty good shot at 20 sacks okay and you know we've seen what the bosses have done sure especially nick you know uh nick is a defensive player of the year candidate this year Mm -hmm. so you know if we're gonna we're gonna play this game this comparison game of course not you know it's it's hard to say that that chase young is gonna be better than all of them although a lot of people on twitter are saying that and i don't know where they get it so it's Mm -hmm. pretty hard to play that comparison game but Let's just say that they're they're all in the same class, as in they're all worthy of you know top five picks, which is probably where all of them have gone and where this one will go. Meaning Chase Young is all but a lock to be a top five pick. So now, one thing I wanted to ask you about is the spread in our picks. Now we got a little bit of help with from the Bills by beating the the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that pick is still languishing in the twenties. Tannehill did, did not give us any help whatsoever against uh, the Texans, and, and it wasn't and it wasn't for it was all right. Crying, okay, like he he yeah. outplayed Deshaun Watson, and he inexplicably had a touchdown pass that turned into an interception, returned ninety yards the other way, which later turned into a touchdown. So it's good to see that Ryan Tannehill's luck hasn't changed just because he changed uniforms. All yeah. right. So the spread in our picks is pretty wide. So what would be your strategy as far as implementing these picks? Because it's starting to look like a top four pick is inevitable. And Mm -hmm. the second overall pick is there for the taking. If we, you know, if we lose out basically and get, I still, so I still what believe be your strategy with this spread in picks that we have. I, I still believe that Miami should be looking to use one of those first round picks um, 
or a second round pick if it's possible, but it's usually it's usually harder to do it that way. But one of, use one of those first round picks to get an extra first in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they've already got two first rounders in 2021, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so get a third one in 2021. Uh, I think, and I, that's just because that's something that I believe that you should be looking to do every single year. Yes. Uh, because it, it's, it's just something, it's like rolling over debt. I mean, you, you should be doing it every year because you're just accumulating basically free value on, on draft picks. Absolutely. If you do it, if you do it every year. Um, so yeah, they should be looking, they got three, two of them are going to be late and we know that and it sucks, but whatever. Um, use one of those two to, to pay off, you know, basically do it like social security, you know, <laughs> sock it away and, um, and trade down and, and collect on it in 2021. And then when 2021 rolls around, you do the same thing again and you just keep doing it. And that's, this is how the Patriots keep having more draft resources at their disposal than anybody else. Um, especially given how much they win. And so their draft resources are always limited because of how much they win. This, they, they give themselves an extra budget this way. So Miami should be doing that. Um, uh, but otherwise, you know, you're just going to have to see who falls. And I think that the offensive line is the most urgent. So if Josh Jones has a great senior bowl and shows that he can do what he's done at Houston against higher levels of competition than at left tackle, then maybe that's your guy. Um, Or maybe you just have to use it on Creed Humphrey uh, at center so that you don't get knocked backwards. And Daniel Kilgore, one of the issues with him is he actually ends up looking okay on some snaps, Mm -hmm. but right off the snap, I mean, if he's got somebody head up and face up on him, um, right off the snap, he gets knocked back pretty bad off the snap he recovers he does a good job recovering he's a veteran he knows how but it's too late you know you already he gets knocked back so far you are often ruined the integrity of the play um you get a guy like creed humphrey that's not going to happen that big country motherfucker is not going to get moved back at all um and that's that's i think you know something to consider uh like i said josh jones at left tackle you got to consider that too um i don't with one of those later picks, you're not going to get a hold of Andrew Thomas, I don't think. Um, it's you know probably probably not going to get a hold of a Tristan Wirfs, even if he does come out, which the rumor is that he's looking at possibly going back to Iowa. Uh, so yeah, I, I look at that. Look at that. Uh, those guys on the offensive line, like Josh Jones, Creed Humphrey, then take a look at guys on the defensive side of the ball because you might have some corner value there with guys like Cameron Dantzler of Mississippi State or maybe Bryce Hall of Virginia um, if they if they grade out high enough for for that Um, and then you know Isaiah Simmons I, I only mention him because guys that are in the the place where he is that are sort of tweeners they always end up rated one place in like November December and then come April, they go a different place, you know, and that's, and that's just the nature of it. When, when a guy is sort of a jack of all trades or a, uh, a, a tweener type, that's like, well, is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? Is he an edge player? What is, you know, when you don't know the answer to that question very clearly, 
then they often fall down the board a bit. Um, so, you know, keep an eye on Isaiah Simmons. I, I love him as a player. Alex Highsmith, I keep mentioning him. And that, that's a great player right there. That's a great pass rush presence. And by the way, I think he was like PFF's top graded run defender in 2018. He is not a one dimensional player by any means. No. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I saw that. So I'm, and that's something that, something to really keep in mind. Um, and you know, I, I guess some people would bring up the wide receivers. The only one I've got eyes for is Lavisca Chenault, and that's what we just talked about Julio Jones and the fact that he has you know, such a complete game. And I think that LaVisca Chenault is pretty close to that complete game or as close as we get in this draft. Uh, anyway, it's a good receiver draft. I'm not knocking it whatsoever. Um, but I think LaVisca Chenault could be a special player. Um, so maybe I could be tempted into it. Although I, I really, you know, listen, you just signed Devonte Parker and you've got Preston Williams and everybody's, yes got everybody's got high hopes for Preston Williams you still got Jakeem Grant and Um, Wilson is looking swiftier by the day yeah but I think it's too little too late considering he's got 11 million dollar price tag I think next Mm -hmm. year something like that um it's just he needed to make that move long before now in order to to start them make them think a little bit like well maybe maybe he's worth that price now they're going to get in the off season. They're like, listen, we're not going to pay this guy 10 plus million dollars. Um, and and that's unfortunate, but basically Devonte Parker got his money. Um, so that's, he's gone. And then I, I, you can bank on that. I'm pretty positive on it. Um, but yeah, they, they do have Preston Williams and Devonte Parker and, uh, and Alan Hearns got, and got an extension. So he's here at least next year, I think. Um, maybe <laughs> uh and then uh jakeem grant got an extension so he's here as well and so you'd be tempted to just be like oh that's the receiver position but i don't know man lavisca could be special so that i could i could consider it I, I don't know do you have any favorites in the secondary that um that because god knows we need help there yeah i like i like christian fulton a lot but uh i knew you did i knew you would but but the problem yeah you can't resist problem, lsu guys can you no i cannot i, I need one every single year <laughs> okay uh, so those LSU DBs. yeah the, the problem with it is the the more i look at them and i'm like yeah i'd love to have them on the team but you know is that something that they want to devote a first round pick to and i, and I believe he'll be in that 20 range mm-hmm. and i look at that offensive line and i'm like yeah man, we got to spend we got to spend, first of all, a lot of free agent dollars on on at least a couple of tackles, one to start and one to at least be a swing guy or possibly to start as well. And then in the draft, I would do what the Eagles have done. The Eagles have four starter quality tackles on their team. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's time that they invest in in the position and and not try to get too cute by half by finding try to find these guys to be these swing tackles. That essentially, if one of them goes down, if one of our tackles goes down, it's the season. And mm-hmm. I think that should be the end, the end of those days around here. And I, I agree with you 100%. One of those first-round picks has to go for a center. Uh, they need – Offensive lineman, I mean, at least an offensive lineman. I... Absolutely. You know, and, you know, is, is this a great haul in the first round if they get Josh Jones, Creed Humphrey, and they use that first pick? 
mm-hmm. uh, maybe fourth overall on Tua Tonga Vailoa. I think we're all really excited if that's what we we got out of the first round. I'll say this though, and I this is this might be a sort a little area of disagreement. Um, I think I'm I'm keeping an eye on Jesse Davis at right tackle because it was so. First off, he started the season at left tackle, which was like, what the hell are you doing? Um, yeah, that was that was weird. Didn't have a bad game, by the way, against New England. Uh, but the other two, you know, holy shit. Um, and then they moved him back to right tackle. Right tackle, he hadn't played in in a game in Miami since 2017. He played a, like a total of four quarters there. So it was ugly. It was definitely ugly, <laughs> you know, in, in some of those initial games, especially the Pittsburgh game. That was his worst. Um, but it's been getting better. And, you know, not too long ago, I think it was against Philadelphia, um, the the offensive line coach was like that. That was a top flight game for a right tackle, um, like against them. And and you look at some of the the performances he's he's put together. I think you know I this team. One of the characteristics of this team has been improvement as the year goes on. Yeah. And I think he embodies that to me. Um, is there's been improvement as there's there's no question anymore. Uh, you know who the best player on the uh, on that offensive line is week after week after week it's it's always Jesse Davis and and he's doing better and better at right tackle it's enough that it's like this is your first season playing right tackle and, it's, and that's hard to remember sometimes because he's still a young you know a youngish player that's that's playing a position that he hadn't played before there might be something there it might be it might be something that they that they pencil in next year. I thought he he did good, he did well against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the only one that <laughs> that did well against the Giants. Um, so I'd be I'd keep an eye on that. They might they might think that right tackle is really is taken care of, and that they just need to find guards, centers, and a uh, center and uh, and a left tackle well, only. <laughs> <You know>? Only um, <laughs> and a running back. <laughs> And well, a running back. They I need, think they need to build, rebuild the. You know what? I like Laird three. as the third guy. I like Laird as the third guy. Oh man, did he shit the bed this weekend though? Yes, he did. But that they need a awful. first and a second guy. They do need. They need to rebuild the entire position. They you do. know what? I, I really like a, a guy, a free agent that I think they should really, really go after is Kenyon Drake of the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> I don't know if you watched them play lately. Yeah, I've heard of that guy. He had four touchdowns this past weekend. Uh, he's showing me something, you know. Uh, he has a knack for when they give him a lot of a lot Lying of touches to put up big numbers. Like the this was only the second game where David Johnson had less than three carries, and Drake averages over 135 yards on the ground in in each of these games. Yep, and he has six touchdowns in the two games. So, yeah. That, Needless to say, him, Austin Eckler, of course, all those types. Okay, you well, know. we should keep an eye on uh, this left tackle out of uh, Houston that uh, that's going to be a free agent. Um, it's like uh, uh, the Laramie guy, Tom, Laramie, uh, Tonsil or something Tonsil? like that. The guy who smoked marijuana through a gas mask. Oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, all right. Is he any good? Because he just made uh, the Pro Bowl this year. He did make the Pro Bowl, so <laughs> that's something. Let me tell you one thing. Keep an eye on him. If the uh, Chris Greer will be GM of the Millennium, okay? If he could go pick up these two guys, 
<laughs> if he if he pulled them right back, like you know that that was always they were always going to come back. Yes, that would be dastardly. That'd be I'd love it. That'd be. It'd be I mean, I'm telling you, it'd be uh, executive. I don't even know if the NFL has an executive of the year award. I think they do. If they do, then Chris Greer deserves one. If he could somehow get Laramie Tunsil back here. Okay. Didn't John Dorsey get an executive of the year last year or something for, for Yes, the, he did for, the, for building that abomination that we're watching Cleveland every single yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, because how's that looking? Holy <laughs> shit. Well, the, the reports were that the entire team was going to the Cardinals sideline saying, Get me out of here. <laughs> to the Cardinals of all teams. Of like, all teams, yes. Like last year the Cardinals were the worst team in the league. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This it, year. Well, yeah. This year please, they're take, exciting. They're not good. Me but they're exciting. Me. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. That is amazing. By the way, Kyler Murray, as yeah. advertised, as advertised. And that, that just goes to show you, you know, you, you got to keep rolling the dice in that position. I, and, you know, I, I actually kind of support for all that I dig on Josh Rosen and I hated the trade right from the get. And, you know, I, I kept saying it was a waste of time and a waste of resources. I know that seems to run counter to my, whole philosophy about taking roll rolls of dice on that position, but you got to still be smart about it. Um, I supported their drafting Josh Rosen and then circling back and like, you know, Kyler Murray is staring them right in the, the chest and, and they say, uh, the, the waste. Yeah. And they, they're, they're like, well, fuck it. We're going to, we're going to take it, take another stab here and, and take a stab on great and uh, at greatness here. And that's what they did. And that was a great move on the part of Kime. Um, you know, for as much as – and he was really panned for that. And it was bold and it was the right call. It was the right move. And um, and so I think that Miami needs to keep doing it. That's what goes back to this first pick thing. You know, yeah, I'm just going to punt on it and take Chase Young? Really? Why? I mean, maybe there was a time when we were like, Tua's going to go back to school now. He broke his hip. Um, Jordan Love's not even going to come out. He's going to transfer somewhere. Jake Fromm's not going to come out, although he's he kind of fizzled down the the stretch anyway. He needs another year. Um, nobody likes Justin Herbert. <laughs> no. Everybody seems everybody seems to hate Justin Herbert. It's it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, um, people are out on him, man. So so we're like, you know, man, gosh, you know, maybe we should really punt on that. But but that's that's not how it's looking. Anymore. Okay, it's no, it's, it's looking looks to us like Tua Tagovailoa is going to hear the the word out there that he's still a high pick, that he's still a top ten pick, and um and come out. Uh, yeah, Jordan I, Love I, has I, already declared and is yes. uh, is smoking his celebratory marijuana. Um, <laughs> yes. And so uh, and so yes, Jordan. By the way, Jordan in Dade County. It's a one hundred dollar fine. It's a it's a civil ticket. You don't even get arrested. Just for it. yeah, you know, just no arrest, no no record. It, just yeah, just have hundred dollar bills ready. Yeah, exactly. Don't give them to the cops though. You know, no. You take the ticket and then you have to send in a check. You know what I mean? You know, I had a Spanish teacher in um in high school. This is totally non sequitur. I'm sorry. Um, I had a Spanish teacher in high school who um we all thought he was from mexican mexico uh it turns out he was uh from pittsburgh and uh, he's actually italian (laughs) wow Uh, yeah but uh but anyway uh so he used to tell us these amazing stories that were completely 100 percent not true (laughs) and um and uh, about mexico and and one of the things like he told he gave us tips on how to bribe the police officers in mexico 
and who to look out for and who, you know, who to watch for in order to do this and, and what phrase you had to use. You had to, you had to say, you had to say in uh, Spanish, um, you had to say, go buy yourself a Coke. Um, you had, I mean, he really had this very detailed, it, I kind of think, I kind of admire this man now in, in retrospect, because if I were a high school teacher, I would aspire to come up with these elaborate lies that I could just constantly tell the high school kids. And, um, and he gave us, he gave us an actual phone number to get air backed out of Mexico. If we ever (laughs) ran into trouble, like he said, you don't have to be present at your own trial. Just so just hang out, hide out in the Hacienda in the Hills and call this number and get air backed out by the, by the U S like military. And uh, it's just—it's an amazing man. I'm sorry that I went on this complete tangent. Yeah. By the way, but, uh, what you're supposed to do, and this was back in the day. You cannot do this anymore because now you get beheaded and thrown into a hole in the in the desert. Okay. That sucks. Okay. Yeah, that kind of sucks. So what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to put your money inside your shoe, and never, ever, ever try try or even think about trying to bribe a federale or an officer in Mexico city or any province in Mexico. Mm. But if they ask you for money, you know where you have your money and you can hand it over. Mm. There you go. <laughs> okay. okay. So, so, just, so, uh, just so go it. buy yourself a Coke doesn't work anymore. No, no, no. You do not yeah. want to do that at all. I've ever. got outdated. I've got outdated information. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, what an episode this has been. Jesus. You said okay. it. By the way, I'm staring at at a at a profile, and I was wondering if he was going to declare. He's had a horrific season, but a guy I've always liked is the Obe, uh, the Bion Renfro. Remember him from Texas A&M? Big physical uh, corner, a keep to lead type. Oh, okay. I think I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, the rumor is that he's coming back to oh. Texas A&M. So scratch one guy off of that fourth round list. Loser. Okay. So, well, you know, another guy, um, we, since we were talking about uh, defensive ends, I was talking to you and Simon about him earlier. Um, God, where does he play again? It's, it's, Dio, it's Deo Odenigbo. Um, and he was uh, – he, he plays for uh, – nope, no, that's not it. Oden – oh, Ode – I get the name. I get the name wrong. It's Odeyingbo. Um, he plays for Vanderbilt. Go take a look at him sometime. He reminds me of Zeke Anza. Uh, he's, I mean, he's, oh, he's lengthy and big and athletic, and he plays way behind his pads. So, you know, um, he plays with his hands, and he's he's just high energy, high effort all the time. He just doesn't know what, what he's doing a yeah. whole lot. If we're so, talking about comparables, you don't, you don't want to know who Jabari Zuniga reminds me of coming off of left end. I I did take a look at him though. I mean, I've I've looked at him before, and I, I like him more than his teammate for our defense, for Miami's defense. Yes, I, I think a lot of other people are going to like his teammate more for from a physical standpoint. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, who does he remind you? Uh, Again, leave me hanging. Uh, a certain Miami Dolphin. Uh, from Canada. <laughs> No, Jabari Zuniga doesn't remind you of Cameron Wake. Watch him coming off of left end. Watch no watch way. His game against LSU. Watch his game against Miami. Doesn't have near that get off. Come on, there's no way. Well, you know, uh, Cam Wake is a 
He's and not a, a Hall of Famer. He's absolutely he's a, he a Ring of Honor guy. So it's hard he to do these comparables. You know? He should be a Hall of Famer. It's a, it is a crime that he's not a Hall of Famer. Well, that but that brings in not going Jones. To be. That brings in a lot of people into the Hall of Fame, you know? Well, that, but, the, I mean, it's just – it's it's a short career. Yes. That's the reason that he's not a Hall of Famer. Um, but, you know, maybe – maybe I mean, maybe he'll just keep playing because he's, he's doing well this year. So, maybe he'll just keep playing. And um, what does he have this year? Oh, he's only he's got on two and a half sacks. this year. <laughs> oh, he's a, he didn't – he started off well. And then yes, he, he did. He started off yeah. right. Yeah, he started off. He was getting he was getting pressures and all that, and and then he went on IR and he finished with only two and a half sacks. So unfortunately, his career is probably going to end pretty soon, and mm-hmm. he's gonna, just going to be you know a hundred sacks and should be more than that. And he was always underpaid too. He was, such, he was so valuable to the Miami Dolphins, and people just don't even know it. And he's a Ring of Honor guy, uh, you know. As the first chance they get, he better be in that ring of honor. Absolutely. Just like Zach Thomas should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Unanimously. And unanimous. this is going to be, what, his third shot at it, which means that he's not a unanimous choice. While nope. Brian Urlacher was absolutely a unanimous choice, and I never understood it. Ray Lewis, yep. of course, was a unanimous choice. But, you know, that's expected with all the hardware that he won. For the longest time, it was those three, you know? Yes, it was. And... And for the longest time, Zach Thomas was considered better than Ray Lewis. But then Ray mm-hmm. Lewis started winning championships. Yeah, he started yeah. playing our number one defenses. That, sure. and then he started dancing, and uh, mm-hmm. you know that helps. I'm sorry. Yeah, like it's Zach true. Thomas doesn't. He's you know he doesn't see dance. Him dance. Uh, actually, he's a pretty terrible dancer. Uh, yeah, I don't. That's what I'm saying. You don't. You know, I don't know if dance. you remember back in the day, but in the, you know, and it, it's it's a shame that I have to say back in the day, and we're talking about like 2001. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but back in the day, Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan, when they were protecting a lead, used to start dancing when the, when a certain song used to come on, remember? And then Zach Thomas used to try to get in on the act to dance uh, along with those guys, and it just looked really, really sad. And this was before this was before you could take pictures of it with your cell phone because at that time it, you had this Nokia phone that you played the snake game on. Yeah, I remember I used to be sitting in the end zone. I'm like, all right, guys, it's time to protect this lead. Let's win this game. And then Sam Madison used to kick it off, and he started dancing. When I think uh, the name of the song was uh, was Who Dat, who used to to come on. And Sam Madison used to start dancing, and then Pastor Sertan started dancing. And then I would look at Zach Thomas dancing, and it would make me sad again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but Tim Bowens, you know, seeing Tim Bowens jiggling up and down. Oh, yeah. You know, as they were defend, they were going to de- ready to defend eighty yards to win the game, which was basically every single game <laughs> in those days. And more often than not, they actually did hold on. Mm. But yeah, well, what a, what a stroll down memory lane that was. Oh yeah, a lot of painful times, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, you can't complain. We, you know, this is a lot of stuff we gave you. We even give you tips on how to not bribe federales in Mexico. How to survive in Mexico. And not be have your head cut off. Yes, remember, keep like at least at least about two hundred to three hundred dollars inside your shoe. Okay, never bribe anybody. But if you ask for the money, you know where you have it. Do not tell them to go get themselves a coke. No, absolutely not. Never, never do that. Okay. All right. Next week, one show. It's Christmas time, so one show. Like you know, what do what do you want from us? All right. 
But that's it. There is no more good show for you guys this this weekend. Okay. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.